Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Dry Run Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at dryrunbaptist.org. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If those words come out of my mouth and you love me, I'm assuming those two things, then you'd say, is everything all right at home? How's your, how's your marriage? You don't have that knife with you, do you? You know, like there, there are things in which that you're, you're going through checklists of if this is the space in this guy's mind that he's in, then I need to potentially come and do some type of damage control. Because that's, that's normal people don't go around saying, you know how useless you are and it is and everything it is? That's not really how things normally work. But yet, here in the book of Ecclesiastes, that's the conclusion that the wisest man in the history of the world comes to, is that really, what it all boils down to is that nothing really matters, does it? It doesn't, does it? See, Alistair Begg comments, tells us that he takes his conclusion and he puts it first. He puts it up front. Notice how he puts it in verse 2 down in your Bible there. It'll probably be on the screen too. But vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This vanity that he talks about here is a word describing a puff of smoke or a vapor. Somebody wrote, it's something that you can't get your hands on. It's, it's like the nearest thing to zero. Your translation in your Bible might say meaningless or, or futility. Vanity of vanities is a way of saying really vain, utter vanity. It's really temporary. It doesn't really matter. And you can't make it matter any more than this because it doesn't really matter at all, does it? So Solomon, what, what does it matter? What does it matter? What's temporary and useless? What is it? Everything. Everything. So do you know what the problem is with the world? Nothing really matters in it. It's a smokescreen with no substance. As one pastor put it, it's a goose chase with no goose. So if nothing really matters in the world, according to him, and this is the scriptures, well, God is in the world. And is he saying that God doesn't matter? Like that God is vanity, that God is, is futile or useless or vain? Hold on to that for a second. Because what we are, my friends, are we are embarking on uncharted territory. If you grew up in church, if you've been to Sunday school before, um, you, you know the bad part of town, don't you? In the scriptures, like the book of Revelation, in which that you're like, I don't really know. This could be that. It could be that, right? I'm not really sure. It's the bad part of town. I don't know what, what to do there. I don't know how to act. This isn't the bad part of town, so to speak. <laughs> This is like the weird part of town. It's like it's being compared to the, the guy outside of the gas station with the cardboard sign that says the end is near. And you're walking in to the speedway and you're like, yeah, he's probably right, but I'm going to keep my distance from him. 
these are not things that we talk about very often in church. This is not, we, we go through books of the entire Bible. This is not one that people normally go through that do that kind of thing. Verse 1 identifies this book as written by Solomon. And in his day, Israel was in its heyday. Gold and silver, particularly, were as common as rocks in Jerusalem. They were eaten high on the hog, as they would say, where I'm from. They lived in the midst of booming international trade routes. The people were making money hand over fist. You could be really poor or really rich in no time based on their economy. So they're scrambling to get rich in their day in the midst of all this prosperity. And here Solomon comes, the wisest man who ever lived up to this point. And he says, all of this that you're pursuing doesn't matter. You know, I'll go further than that. Nothing really does, does it? Nothing really matters. So if nothing really matters and God is a thing, is, does God really matter? Like, is really everything useless? Because if everything can't be useless, really, can it? Because theoretically, if nothing really matters, then what you say after this point doesn't really matter either, so I'm going to stop listening to you. He, he does a caveat to what he's saying here in verse 3. He says, what, with this question, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So he's expanding his argument and saying, there's a lot of futility and vanity and uselessness. There's a lot of people blowing smoke. And it's in a very specific location. It's under the sun. Where's all this uselessness? It's under the sun. Where's all this vanity? It's under the sun. If you read, everything is meaningless. You think that's not a Christian point of view? Like, that's not Christian, is it? Like, that's more depressed than Christ. That, that's not what that is. That's why verse 3, the words here, this phrase is going to be a companion with us the rest of the way under the sun. Meaning, this is not beyond our here and now in this world. He's looking under the sun and nothing beyond it. So basically this, the here and the now, these moments that we live in, not God related. He shows us a very dark picture of life under the sun in which that nothing really matters and there's nothing, if there's nothing beyond the sun, then no God, then nothing under the sun has any meaning. So here's, the, pro the summary of the problem he's addressing. He's not saying God is meaningless, but his point is, is that apart from God, nothing has meaning. That's what he means under the sun, like human stuff, earth stuff, without God in it. So he gives us three reasons why in this passage, why life with God, without God is useless first one, he tells us that life without God is meaningless because your work is not rewarded. 
Your work is not rewarded. And we see that in the verse, first, three question, first three verses here. That's the question he asks. What are you getting for all that you're doing? What do you really get out of it? What are you really getting for it? This is the exact opposite of an eternal perspective, right? What are you getting in the here and now? And the answer is, strictly speaking, from where we're sitting, we're not really getting enough out of it. We're not getting enough. So what do you get? This is a rhetorical question. What do you get for all your work under the sun? Nothing. Not really. Not a lot. You worked hard and you get nothing to show for it. I think we can feel this. This vanity's plain as day. I read something the other day that said there's like a 6% or something like that. I'm not an economist. There's a 6% inflation rate. So here's what that means. I don't mean to alarm you, but if you have money in your, if you have $100 in the bank, it's shrinking. It's shrinking. You can't do with, with a, nowadays with $100 what you used to do with $100 prior. It is doing that. But Solomon goes further than like inflation. It's, it's more than that of what he's saying. He's saying, what are you doing in your life? What are you really getting out of what you're doing in your life under the sun, apart from God, as he puts it? What are you really getting for it? Really, nothing. Nothing. And the problem is, is that we really want to get something out of our lives. I'll give you an example. I invite you over to my house. There's an internal dialogue. If you're like me, in your head, you're thinking, what am I getting out of this? Are we eating? Are you going to give me something? Why am I coming over to your house? I hope it's not a trap. You know, like, what, what you, you want to know what we're going to be doing that you'll be receiving that'll make you want to go. Otherwise... How many times in our life have we quit something because there just wasn't enough, I wasn't getting enough out of it. There wasn't just enough for me in it, so I stopped, right? We, we prioritize things and time and places, and if we're not getting enough out of it, it doesn't give us the return, then we don't do it. He asks the question and tells you to, evaluate your life under the sun here on earth what are you getting out of it it's a rhetorical question the answer is not enough or nothing at all we try to avoid this futility so what's it like down here hamsters on a wheel and we just keep running and we don't even lose weight because we keep eating We aren't going anywhere. We're not making it. We're not making progress. But you know what is going somewhere? Time. It's moving and fleeing very rapidly. Notice verse 4. A generation comes and a generation, uh, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Walking slowly through this, in other words, death is coming. Death is coming. 
we're here, and eventually someone else will be here. As one preacher pointed out, like we have something in us that pushes back from this idea here. C.S. Lewis calls it chronological snobbery, meaning I'm not going to be like my dad and his dad and his dad. I'm going to do it different than they all did it. I'm going to do it better, right? I'm not going to pillage away everything, waste away everything, not have anything to show for it like everybody else. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it different than the people that came before me. Solomon reigns on your parade by saying, listen, a generation comes, another one goes, and the earth keeps spinning. Meaning, your replacement is already on the way. Your replacement is either here or on the way. People keep being born. People keep dying. And the earth... It spins like a basketball on somebody's finger with or without you in it. If you need to hire me as a life coach to come cheer you up anytime, you just let me know. I just got, <laughs> I'll just, just play this game all day, right? You realize you're going to die and the people after you are going to die and the earth's not going to be worse because of it. You know, like it's, that's what he's talking about here. So what do we do? What do we get for all our work under the sun? Nothing. We get death and the earth keeps going. People are born, they die, and the earth spins without us. And he goes through these verses and talks about it. The sun rises, it sets, the wind blows, it makes its way back. Streams run into the sea and the sea doesn't get full. The water just keeps running, the earth keeps spinning, people keep dying, they keep living, and it just keeps going. And you don't really get anything out of it. Here's his conclusion to all this in verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And here is where we see that life apart from God is meaningless because your work is not rewarded and it does not satisfy. It does not satisfy. So you work hard, death comes, the earth keeps spinning, and you don't get anything from it. And what you do from it doesn't really do anything for you, does it? The New King James translation says it's full of labor, meaning you're just tired, right? How far have we come? What is this? Day two of the year, you're just ready for 2023. Is anybody just good and good to go? You know, it wears, are, have you all, like my wife's, nine months pregnant, but have you all ever been to the level of dad tired? Have you ever been there? Like there's a dad tiredness? I'm just, just kidding. Like there's a pregnant mom tiredness. But what he's saying here is it just wears you out to see all this, right? This is wearisome to know, to, to think about, what, to walk this path that he's walking. Hey, you know what's useless? Everything. Why is it useless? Because you don't really get a return for everything you do. How many, how many times have you went into the office and tried to get a raise or get more for what you've done or who you are and they value you way less than you value yourself? So that negotiation doesn't go so great. 
So you're not rewarded. Why are you seeking more rewards? Because you're not satisfied. You're not satisfied. He's saying that nothing under the sun can satisfy you. And if you live very long, you figured that out. You figured that out by now. So let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied with your life? Like, are you satisfied? Are you, you fulfilled with it? Like, that's, that's the lingo that they, the cool kids are using. Are you fulfilled? They've taken it even further. Is that person living their best life? Come on. Like, is, it, is this life doing it for you? And you go, well, I'm not about to end it or anything, but no. If you've lived very long, you've had periods of, life, of your life where you weren't satisfied with it. It just wasn't doing it for you. That's what he says here. And he's warning you. This is a warning, right? That everything apart from God will just wear you out and never take care of you. Just like the beverage commercial a few, few years back, what fills you up and always lets you down? Life. Life. What never fills you up and always lets you down? That's life. That's what life does. Life under the sun. All things are fully of weariness beyond words. I can't describe how tired I am about looking at all this that I'm seeing. And don't we try to get around this too, right? We try to get past this. The eye, if you look at those verses, the eye sees and it's not satisfied. The eye is not satisfied with seeing in verse 8, nor the ear with hearing. We take in things, see things, listen to things, and we affect, we ask and expect for it to do something for us. Meaning, if I can experience enough, then it's going to do something for me. I mean, we're, the eye, mindless scrolling through Facebook, maybe it's going to be different this time. Maybe they're not going to, it's not going to be a garbage dump about politics. No, it is. It still is. Maybe it's not going to be people like getting dolled up and bragging about their no, it is. That's it. Been there again. Like, but how many times, right, do we go back and try to open the thing and go, well, maybe this time something's going to be on there, right, that I'm going to, like, want to be a... No. 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 It's all the same. And you know what? You keep scrolling, hoping that it's different. Don't you? I do, at least. You keep scrolling, hoping that it's different hoping that it's not the same old trash over and over again. And it's the same old trash over and over again. It is. The eye sees and it's not satisfied. The ear hears. You're taking in stuff. Maybe if I hear some type of something, somebody can do it for me. No. It's going to be honest. What we're looking at today, me speaking, the ear, it's probably not going to do it for you. You know? You hear people throwing out ideas. You read it on their news feed, news feed, excuse me. And we're still empty. That doesn't do it for us either. So why is apart from God meaningless? Because there's nothing here that satisfies us. Have you come to that conclusion in your life? Or do you need Solomon to tell you? You might need him to tell you. 
that life apart from God is meaningless because your work doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't. There's a caveat here in verse 8, though, that we need to be very careful of. Verse 8, there are people, right, false teachers, people who do not handle their Bible very well or at all. I turn to the coloring page on page 5. No, we're using the scriptures. And they will try to convince you that there is meaning down here somewhere. Maybe that meaning is in you. And that there's some way that you can be satisfied in the here and now, apart from God. There's satisfaction in things that he, give, he can give you, right? There's satisfaction in possessions, experiences, and that you can be satisfied in those things, that they'll do it for you. Solomon pops that balloon for us here in verse 8 saying, I've seen it all here, and it's not going to do it for you. I've put it all in my ears and through my eyes and experienced all of these things, and I'm just tired of them. I'm just tired of them. If you're tempted to be satisfied in the human experience, listen to his warning that there isn't something under the sun that can satisfy you. There is not. So life apart from God is meaningless. Because your work is not rewarded, it does not satisfy what's even worse is it will not change anything. It will not change anything. Verse 9 is where we see this. He says, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. So you don't get anything out of it, and what you do get out of it doesn't do anything for you. And here's what's worst of all. Worst of all. Worst of all. It's a rerun. It's a rerun. What we're watching is a rerun. There's nothing new. It's the same old repackaged thing that it used to be. Dressed up a different way. And you got it yesterday. So why do you need it again today? There's nothing new under the sun. You may say, well, what about technology and the internet and self-driving cars and all that kind of stuff? Fair point. He's talking about the basic human condition, meaning self-driving cars and the internet, virtual reality. All those are just tools in which that we get the same old thing out of. It's like people, there's strife and people argue and fight. Why don't we figure out a way for them to do it digitally? Genius. People are mad at each other and they hate each other. Hey, they won't, hey, here's the thing. Maybe they, they won't yell at each other. They'll just type stuff. Genius. Brilliant. You know, it's the same thing. There's nothing new. And, and you know this. And your company knows this that you work for. That's why there's like, the kids had a pajama day at, right before Christmas and you have casual Fridays potentially or something like that. 
Or if you dress casually every day, your boss brings you a pack of honey buns or something. I don't know. But the point is, is that we get tired of the same thing day after day. So there's company picnics and special things because it's the monotony can drive us all mad. It's the same thing over and over again. So in verse 10, he addresses an objection. Somebody's saying, hey, well, what about this? Isn't it new? Here's, here's how he addresses this objection in verse 10. He says that if you think something is new, then you have an ignorance of history. You have an ignorance of history if you think something's new. That just means that you forgot everything that was before if you see something and think that it's new now. It just means that you didn't know what it was before. That's what this is. You're forgetting the past. And when we forget the past, we think we're an original. Let's just go, let's do even more, shall we? What's even worse, the second half of verse 11, he says, you think something's new because you forgot what happened before. Second half of verse 11, after you're gone, nobody's going to remember you anyway. Solomon probably was a hit at birthday parties. Probably was. Probably was, but you know what? He's right. He's right. He describes our work under the sun apart from God. It's vanity. It's meaningless. Smoke or mist. Because it doesn't bring anything new to the table. And what's happened before us is likely going to happen again. And nobody's going to remember what we did. Here's a trivia question for you. Do you know who Time Magazine's very first man of the year was? Does anybody know? This is a real question with real people in the room. Anybody know? Well, if you Googled it like I did, then you would know that that is, his name is Charles Lindbergh. Does anybody know what he did? Yes, you do. You keep it, keep it a secret. Don't tell us. No. So there's a chance you might vaguely know who this is, but he made the very first solo flight across the Atlantic from New York to Paris. Old Charles thought that he might get a little publicity from this, so he signed up for a, a cutting service where back in the day they had these big old papers, and you'd open them up, and they had the news on them, and they'd Send him out, right? Well, he thought he was going to be, he, he might make, his face might be on the front of one of these newspapers. So he signed up for a cutting service. And this, what this service did is anytime his name was mentioned, they'd cut it out and send it to his mom. Charles Lindbergh made the very first solo flight from New York to Paris and became the fa most famous human being on the face of the earth. So his mom received a fleet of trucks full of newspaper clippings because he wasn't just in a few newspapers. He was in every single newspaper in our country in which that these fleet of semis sent to his mom's house full of tons of newspaper clippings because he was so famous in the very first week after the flight. I'll tell you what's even worse than that. He would go out to eat. He would go out to eat, and if he left any scraps on his plate, the waiters would get in fights 
for the scraps of food on his plate because he was so famous that that carcass of a fried chicken would then be a precious item. Maybe you could sell it because it was Charles Lindbergh's fried chicken. I made that up about fried chicken. I don't know if he ate fried chicken. But they used to argue about the scraps on his plate. Who would get them? Who would get to take them? Because he was so famous. That's what they did. However, he died in 1974. And when his name is brought up, you might remember a couple of things about him. But you probably don't probably won't remember a whole lot about him. In fact, what he did might not even influence your life today or any day after this. It has very little relevance. Verse 10 tells us that there isn't anything new. And after it's gone, nobody will remember what it was. That is a picture about life. And life apart from God is meaningless because you really don't get anything out of it. And what you do get out of, out of it doesn't really do anything for you. And what doesn't do anything for you is not going to change anything and it's likely to be forgotten very shortly. This is vanity. And this is the main theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. The problem with meaninglessness apart from God can be summed up here by the Puritan Richard Baxter. Here's what he says. He says, nothing can be rightly known if God be not known, nor is any study well managed, nor to any great purpose if God is not studied. We know little of the creature until we know as it stands related to the creator. He who, overlooks, he who overlooks him, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and sees not him in all, who is the all of all, does, not, does see nothing at all. Here's what that means. If the starting point of your life is under the sun, the destination of that trip is to despair. And nowhere else. It leads nowhere else. And, and you may think, man, this is the weirdest sermon I've ever heard. I don't know if I ought to cry, quit my job, or give up. Well, if you walk away on flat tires, then you miss the point of Solomon. Solomon's point is that nothing can be rightly known until God is fully known. I'll say that again. Solomon's point is nothing can be rightly known until God is fully known. The warning for you is don't go looking for what matters in life apart from God because you will not find it there. You will not find it there. You won't. Paul tells us, though, that there's a different place that we can work, that we can toil, and it can matter. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. So if you work 
under the sun, if it's useless there, there is a place for one to work to where it's not vanity, it's not futile, and it's not useless. If you're not a Christian, your starting place is the here and now. It's under, under the sun. And if you're not a Christian, you're, you're caught in this cycle under the sun of which you're not really rewarded like you should be, not really satisfied like you could be, like you want to be, not really affecting anything like you wish you could. Well, here's Solomon coming in the first 11 verses and saying, you realize that you're not getting it. When you do get it, you're not happy you get it. And when you do it, it doesn't really do anything. Yeah. It's life under the sun. It's what it is. So if you're feeling that, right? You're feeling that when he's like, everything's kind of useless. And you're like, I, I, yeah, you're, I'm with you right there. I, I, I really feel like that my life is like a laundry basket at our house with kids in which that you take things out of the laundry basket and you put things into the washer, into the dryer, on a hanger, up in the closet. You turn back around, you come downstairs and you look at the bin and what's there? All that laundry you did, it's back. It's right there again. So you take it and you put it in the washer then it goes into the dryer then maybe it gets hang up. Maybe it gets put in a closet and you turn around and you look back at the hamper. Who is doing this? Who is doing this to me? I'm doing this a lot because my wife's pregnant. So I'm like, I'm doing a lot of laundry and I turn around and I'm like, who put something in the hamper? Somebody's going to be punished. Whose socks are these? And why is there just one? If you're looking at life under the sun, it just goes like that. It's a cycle. It's a cycle that just keeps going. You don't really get anything out of it. He's talking about life only under the sun. Here and now. God not involved. Just you. The problem is, if you are a Christian, you can get caught in the same cycle of trying to make something matter in the here and now apart from God. That's the most scary reality of the book of Ecclesiastes is not that he paints this depressed, dark picture of nothing matters, hide the sharp objects, things are going bad, the plane's going down. It's that us who understand what's above the sun would live below it. Just like this. That's the worst part, right? Not that there are people out there who don't, who aren't rewarded, satisfied, and impact anything, and they just go on, right? That's not the worst part about it, is that someone who could know better would live like this. That's the worst part, that we could be in the same despair as people who know nothing but beyond what's on their front door. They don't know anything above the clouds. They don't know an eternal reality. They don't know a God who created everything. They don't know that. So they just live in this cycle under the sun. What's deadly and dangerous is if we could just jump in on that same cycle. And we're not rewarded. We're not satisfied. We don't change anything. We're not impacting anything. 
they were in the same despair. Because here is what we can gather from this. Everything apart from God is meaningless. Everything for God is meaningful. That means you can raise your kids for God. That means you can raise your kids and not let them run around naked because you did that laundry and that can have meaning. It can matter. You can give your life to what matters. You don't have to be depressed by the vanity of the world. You don't. It doesn't have to get you down. For the truth is, deep inside of us, every single one of us, deep inside of us, whether we know about God or not, knows that this world just doesn't do it for us. It just doesn't do it for us. This is not it. There's, there has to be more. There has to be more than this. The good news is that life under the sun is not all there is. We know it's not all cracked up. It's cracked up to be, as they say. We know life's not all it's cracked up to be. But we have to understand that it's not all that there is. There is life beyond the sun. There is a world to come. In fact, Jesus tells us to put our treasure, our satisfaction, there in that world. To be satisfied in eternal things. What God is doing in his world in his church, and in his people. That's that's what Jesus tells us to put our treasure there. And then he asks this question, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So what does Jesus say in regards to Solomon? Solomon says, what are you getting out of all that you're doing? Nothing. Jesus says, you could gain it all And in the end, really lose it all. That's what he says. This world under the sun is not the reward we're looking for. It's not the satisfaction that we find. But there is satisfaction that we can have that will not cost us our souls. Why are we going through the book of Ecclesiastes? Right, We're going through Jesus' life There's the cross and the resurrection. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes out of nowhere, opens up Ecclesiastes, starts it out like this. Hey, guys, nothing really matters, does it? Here's why we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Your life can be wasted or your life can matter. And the way you distinguish the difference between wasting your life, right? Just spending air on the way to the grave. Or living a life that matters is how you determine, how you determine which one you're doing is whether or not you're living life under the sun like everybody else or whether your reward, your satisfaction, your impact is coming from something beyond the earth to an eternal reality. That's how you decide. That's how you tell. Are you caught in this cycle? 
Or do you realize that God is what everything is about? And if that doesn't go in and nailed down first, then nothing else is really going to matter. Because you're starting from a destination that will end you in despair. That's the road that Solomon leads us down. There is a world to come to where our treasure ought to be. And a life after this. That for the Christian, it will be our best life, the one to come. You know, the one who lives their best life now, they're bankrupt later. Solomon's saying, you can't live your best life in this one. It's not going to do it for you. You're not going to get it. It's not going to do it for you. It's not going to change anything. It's not. But there is something bigger than this. There is something more than this. There is something that actually matters. So what we would have to do, right, with life under the sun, what's the answer? And, he, and you'll see it at the end of the book. He does it so beautifully. At the end of the book, he takes life under the sun and he plugs it into an eternal reality of God. See, the biggest problem is that nothing really matters down here. The answer to that is that God matters. And every single one of us is going to face him one day for how we spent this bag of air that we all have been given. God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus, and he lived the perfect life. He did not waste his life. He spent it. And then he died on the cross for our sins, and then he rose on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he is one day returning, and we will all stand before him and give an account to how we lived our life while under the sun. So I'm going to pray. If you want, uh, and we're going to respond in worship this morning. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be over here to the side. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that uh, you would help us plug this mundane, repetitive, meaningless life under the sun into an eternal reality that we wouldn't just waste our life but that we would make it count and that we would do so for you that we would make our life count for you give us grace change our hearts help us to obey these scriptures transform our life by them we believe that they are powerful in jesus name amen